Hello and welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Hi, I'm Ziv Raviv. And I'm Shachar Erez. And together here in the Generous Marriage Podcast, we explore all things related to making your relationship better. And one of these things is actually talking about your needs and understanding what are some of the needs that we don't talk about often. So today's interview is someone that has a very important uh, opinion about this topic, and this is Christina Vasquez. Who is Christina Shachar? Christina is often uh, referred to as uh, Coach Christy. She is the author of the book, The Uncherished Wife, and she helps couples she works with understand what is the purpose of marriage, which I think is fascinating to understand. Let's go right into the interview and see you guys at the other end. Enjoy! Welcome to the Generous Marriage Podcast. Fight less, feel appreciated, and have a deeper connection with your spouse. And now your hosts, Shachar Erez and Ziv Raviv. Hello, Generous Marriage Podcast. I'm Shachar Erez. Unfortunately, today, Ziv Raviv cannot join us, so I'll be the host. And today, I'm very honored to have Christina Vasquez with us. Hi, Christina. Hi, good job, Shazar. Thank you. you. Shahar, excuse me. Shahar, yeah, I'm working on that. So, Christina, thank you for being here. Absolutely. And you, are, you have a master's in counseling and you're an advanced clinical hypnotherapist. Correct. And you're a coach working with women and with couples who want to move their relationship from surviving to thriving. Correct. I love that. Yes. And you recently wrote a book, The Uncherished Wife. Can you tell yeah. us a bit? Can I hold it up here, Steph? Just yeah, please, it. please. There. there it is. Beautiful. Recover okay, so from the emotionally absent man. Ah. Ah. That's a common that's a common syndrome, isn't it? Yes, it is. I'm sure you see a lot of it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually what challenges most women in their marriages, getting their husband to be not just physically present, but emotionally present and truly connected to them. Yeah. And this is why we find a lot of women struggling because well, we can get into that a little more in the interview, but yes, very common. Yeah, this is a good time to talk about it if you, if you want to talk okay. about it. So is that what the book well, is about? I guess I'll talk about, I'm going to kind of interject here about midway in my life where I was seeing a lot of couples in my practice. And at that time, I wasn't even divorced. I think it's part of what woke me up a little bit. And, you know, you see them coming in and they're hanging on by a thread. Or there's an affair that came up midlife, or there's an addiction. And I get it. There's family, there's years and history together. But it seemed like all they wanted to do was get a quick fix to get the relationship back to surviving and then just move on their merry way. And I would just observe couples when you're out, and I'd be like, you know, a lot of long term. I'm talking people who've been married a long, long time. And they even didn't seem to enjoy his other's company anymore. But the hallmark was, well, we can say we've been 35, you know, married 35 years, 40, 50. It is a great accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But 
in that was the purpose of marriage, as I write about, achieved, which was growth, you know, learning to unconditionally love, expansion of ourselves. And I thought that wasn't, from a spiritual perspective, the intention of marriage. Hmm. So that got my wheels turning in my own life. And as I told you a little earlier, then I painstakingly went through my own journey of deciding to divorce late in life, which we're seeing a lot more of. I don't know if you are or not, but what they're called are gray divorces, where I'll say more, I think it's like 70 or 80% is initiated by women, where men, typically I have found, are more okay with surviving. You know, my needs are getting met, basically. And I think what really rubbed me even more so, Shahar, was that there was almost sometimes unspoken infidelity that was going to be overlooked in order to preserve the marriage going the distance, mm-hmm. even if it was inauthentic, even if it was a lie. They were going to keep showing up at Christmas and birthdays year after year. And in my own journey, I will share that's what began to happen for me. And I said, I can't live in this duality. It'll kill you. So too painful, huh? I guess it depends on the person, right? I think if we're on a spiritual growth path, eventually, yeah, it's going to be so painful that you have to fully step into truth. your truth or, you know, your authenticity, which is showing up as who you are and not having to hide parts of yourself because I'm in a marriage. And I guess my challenge is to the viewers here is not a judgment, but it's a, isn't there more to it than just surviving? Mm-hmm. And are we fully embracing marriage the way at least I believe it has evolved into. I know a lot of the antiquated traditional models still are out there, but in these generations, I feel like we have to question those a little bit Uh and say, are they really working for us or are they really impeding our growth process? Yeah. And if we find that they are impeding, where can a good marriage take us in your perspective? Okay. I think a good marriage takes you to the best version of yourself. Mm. Not perfect, not perfect. And when I say best version, what I mean is, yes, you're growing in certain character attributes. Um, You're supported in the marriage so that if you have this dream and she has this dream, you, you support each other in their dreams and I guess in the, in the older model, I grew up in a dominant male home. My father was Hispanic and it was very much all about dad. And mom was just there to meet the physical needs and of the kids and hold the home together. And that was sad to me to watch my mom kind of have an unlived life. And so, yeah, little by little, my path, this kept weighing on me and weighing on me. Until I got to that place of, okay, like I wouldn't say stop. And I think I use it in the book. I felt like I was dying on the inside because I was not living authentically, you know, and it was what held me in the marriage so long, though, 
was codependency, obviously. And obviously fear, because I was in such a religious community, not necessarily spiritual, but religious, this fear of judgment, ostracized, shunned, you know, maybe I over-exaggerated that a little, but there was some of it for Mm -hmm. sure, Mm -hmm. you know, where, what are you doing? This is crazy. No, da, 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 da. Your life's so good. Why would you want to do this? Because on most levels, anybody looking at me would think I could have skated through my life, right? But not as me, as something I needed to be for someone else. Yeah. And and that wasn't good enough anymore. It wasn't. It, it weighed on me like, you know, cement on my chest. And so I wasn't quite sure how this was all going to go. I definitely was very prayerful and intentional and tried to go navigate slowly, maybe too slowly in some ways. And that might've been my codependency, but, and I do encourage people, you know, this isn't a light decision. You do really want to weigh it out thoroughly. And I guess to me, the biggest factor is, are you growing or are you stagnating or even dying? Not physically, but spiritually and emotionally in this yeah. area. Yeah, that's a powerful word, dying. It yeah. is. <laughs> that's a hard experience to get through. That's not what you, that's not thriving. No, it's not thriving. So you were working with couples and suddenly you are not suddenly, maybe slowly, slowly you understood things about your own relationship. Correct. And that's when I basically said, I I just can't, I can't. And that's when I chose to leave my, I think it was 29 years at the time, 20 something, higher 20s, separated for a while and then divorced. But I won't say it was an easy path. Like when Mm -hmm. I see women who are in my place, but people who have a spirit of wanting to not settle, Mm -hmm. does that make sense? And again, this is not meant to be judgmental because I understand everybody's different. Everybody has different dreams, visions, even levels of wanting to grow. Uh And that's okay. But I personally, it would have been like watching paint dry for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And as you can tell already by my personality, that wasn't going to work. That's not you, no. (laughs) (laughs) And I never would have wrote the book. See what happened? And I wrote the book and I'm hoping to touch other, well, I already have touched many, many women's lives, couples' lives and more. And the book is about your story or? The book is about, um, I started with my story, a little bit of my journey, you know, kind of what I'm going to say, stepping into, I I was married in the early 80s. So stepping into right out of undergrad, into marriage, having kids, doing everything that I was told as a little girl or teenage girl that was going to make me happy, right? Find a good guy. He can help support you. He's going to be a good father. He's unbeknownst to me. It was, it was a very intellectual process uh-huh. instead of a very heartfelt process. Uh-huh. And again, I would encourage people to really go inward, you know, if they have, are not married yet. That's what I'm talking about. 
But so I tell that story. I talk about, and I will candidly say, since it is in the book, I fell into infidelity myself, not proud of it, and really thought, oh my God, I am one messed up woman. I am one messed up woman. Because when you're with an emotionally absent man, you began to feel something's wrong with me. Why can't I make this marriage work? Why can't I want to do more? You know, I'm already, I'm trying to be perfect in every way, but the marriage still isn't working. And, you know, obviously possessions and lifestyle eventually run thin. So again, and being in a religious background, the self, the guilt, judgment on myself was brutal. And that's where I said, you'd be surprised. People even say, well, why would you leave the marriage? Why don't you just cheat? Really? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard people say that. Men are probably much more likely to do that. Not likely, but okay with it, it seems, than women. But women do it too. So, and it's because what I believe is, here I signed on to this marriage said for better, for worse, for life, but I was growing and changing and he didn't seem to be on the same path. And so as I'm, we're not, I'll say, I used to say, I felt like he was a round peg in a square hole. You know what I mean? That Uh we're trying to, and on the outside, we probably did okay, you know, but in true connection, which is one of, which I talk about in the book, Human Psychology, I found out it's a need. It's not a want. It's mm-hmm. not like, okay, it would be nice if I connected with my husband. I realized, no, this is a need. Uh-huh. And that's why I, th- I believe I kind of went to that emotionally dying because my emotional needs weren't met. Yeah. And it wasn't that made him good or bad. It just made him unable. And I had to make the decision for myself if I could live that way. So let's talk more more about this dynamic because it's quite common. Okay. Where the guy is emotionally absent or that's a bit harsh, but at least emotionally less capable. Okay. And you started saying something about how it affects his wife. Yes. Usually what I do, because men tend to be more cerebral off the bat. Mm-hmm. Some aren't. I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Gottman, but Dr. Gottman said emotional intelligence for men somewhere had to do with how he related to his mother. Mm. Made sense, right? But majority of men are more cerebral. So usually I use the model of the six human needs in human psychology. And I point out to him that if we do not have security met at a high level, if we do not have significance or value met at high levels. If we don't feel love connected, which I would probably use like known, you know each other, you know, you can share your deep stuff with each other. That's the love connection. And the other one is variety, which variety is as human beings, we always need to change things up here and there. Some of us more than others. And they say what keeps a marriage growing and thriving is the ability to remain secure because yes, there is this partner there, but that can lower. And then variety, which 
which is having fun together, um, enjoying life together. And that could even be growing together, I guess, but. And doing new experiences together, traveling, trying out new things. Yeah. Correct. So when I present it to men and I have each of them rate it, okay. How do you feel your partner is meeting your need for security? Depending on the situation, write the number down. How do you feel your partner is meeting your need for significance? One and so on. When we kind of look at it in black and white, it becomes more apparent to them. Mm-hmm. As well as when I emphasize that it's these aren't wants, these are needs, just yeah. like food and water. Yeah. And that we starved our children. I mean, we would not want them to steal, but we couldn't blame them. Because they were starving and desperate people can do desperate things. Now, don't get me wrong. That is not, should not be the first choice. And I talk about that in the book. The first choice should be, hopefully you have a level of communication with your spouse that you can sit and discuss these needs and say, where are we weak? Where are we stronger? What can we do? Unfortunately, some men I've come across, I would say some once they're kind of snapped out of it a little they have more potential to and are willing to. And some have said, like, that's too much work. Mm -hmm. If I got to do all this to stay in a marriage, then they get complacent. And so then the wife is left with that decision of, is this what I want? You know, you mentioned uh, John Gottman. So one of the uh, part of his research is about the four uh, horsemen of the apocalypse. Uh, yes, we yes. call them sometimes the four poisons of relationship. <laughs> And the most common one for men, 70% of men use stonewalling Absolutely. when they get flooded. So, so 70% of men, when, when they can't handle their feelings, they don't know how to handle their feelings and the wife's feelings, they, they shut down, yeah. they close up. Correct. And become emotionally absent, uh, not just emotionally absent, just uh, uh, absent. <laughs> absent. They're just disconnected. Disconnecting, right? right. They go to Facebook or to beer or just outside or just leave uh, their bodies in a way. <laughs> Maybe that's why they get annoying. <laughs> and, it's, and, and it's, it doesn't work. Mm-mm. It just makes it worse. Correct. And the wife that lives with such a guy, you know, some of them can do what you did. Sometimes there's no choice. But I wonder if you've seen other examples where the okay. guy was able to to learn how to deal with his feelings and not shut down this way and uh, communicate better. Absolutely. And I, like I said, one, I think if couples had some of these skills earlier on, that would be... Huge, huge. But it kind of, again, it varies. I've definitely seen it work. When I present this to them, they become more conscious of it. They start applying the skills. And I let, you know, again, if I'm speaking with the man, say you wouldn't buy like a beautiful sports car and never drive it, take it out, wash it, oil it, whatever. Use all this TLC. You pay a lot of attention to it and you care about it. I guess with the the title of my book where I got the word cherish was cherish is a little different than love. You nurture, you hold them up. I want to say you cherish them and that, that I want to say energy in the marriage is 
very, I want to say not only uplifting, but it just creates a whole new level would be that. So no, I uh, absolutely, I mean, my hope with the book is that people would pick it up sooner than later and be able to have some honest conversations with their spouse. Yeah, I think from what I see in my clinic, cherishing is crucial mm-hmm. for a generous marriage, for a healthy, good marriage where you can grow together. So there's something about cherishing that make the partner flower. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Shine. Beautiful. That's a, you're absolutely right. It, that's, and I do believe that is one of the purposes of marriage, that we were made to be in connection we were made not to be codependent, but interdependent, supporting. And this partner becomes someone you journey through life with, holding each other up now and then, encouraging, loving, showing unconditional love, space to even bring all your ugly out. Mm-hmm. And they love you in spite of it. And I actually feel like that's actually what helps change it, mm-hmm. is when they love you in spite of it or will give you feedback in love you know, not to criticize you, but in love. And I'm not saying this is easier done perfectly, but ultimately I believe that that is the greatest purpose of marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and you're helping this person shine in the world, like you just said. Yes. So you work with couples and you have them move from surviving to thriving. How, how do you do that? What do you teach them? So in the book, I talk about different modalities. Um, one, like I said, is using the model of the six, human needs and making them aware and having them sort through and and say, give your partner tangible. Like they'll say, okay, I need to love you more. And I would say to the wife, tell him three specific ways you feel loved by him. Because again, men I've noticed over the years are like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do (laughs) and I'll do it. Right. And then vice versa, you know, the man will talk about what's important to him. And well, usually men tend to be low on significance because they don't feel as valued by their wife sometimes. And so the workplace becomes more the go-to place because everybody loves me at work and thinks I'm great and all this. And then at home, I feel like I'm a, a child or incompetent or whatever. So... This is definitely not all the men. I, I have a lot of words for the ladies as well. And I yeah, but, but that's the other side of the uncherished wife, right? Yes. Exactly. That's the other side of the dynamic. She right. feels uncherished and he feels incompetent like a child. Bingo. Yeah. And now you have two. And, you know, and I talk about two with couples is that the age. Okay, so I'm also a clinical hypnotherapist. Uh-huh. And... One of the things we do in hypnotherapy is helping the client to go back to early wounding so that they're aware if they are, that word, reenacting what happened in childhood, right? And helping them to be conscious of that. And then the spouse giving them a corrective experience. Mm -hmm. So if every time I went up to my father, he yelled at me or was angry at me. Every time I go to my husband, I get the same experience. I'm not going to heal and I will never trust men. If my husband is aware of this and he's a willing growth partner, he'll know how to, what I would call a mature man, mature masculine, I don't know if you've heard that, but put out his mature masculine energy and give me that counter experience 
that helps to heal me. At the yeah. same time, I'm doing my own work, though. It's not for him to fix me. So I don't want to make that. Right. It's not about him fixing you, but still, if he can give you the missing experience, that would be super nourishing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, some guys kind of get this. And some guys, either they don't value it because they're still coming out of a model, well, it worked for dad, so it worked works for me, or if relationships are this much work, I don't want to be in one. And again, not bashing, but it's typically what I see more. What I would say to women, though, is we do say we want an emotionally present man, but myself included, I really had to look at where was I checking out. Now, there's always that chicken and egg, what came first? Was I checked out first and then him? I don't know. Or could it be also, if you do not feel safe with your partner, you're going to keep distancing yourself. But the woman also has to look at where is she pulling back emotionally? Where is Mm -hmm. she showing up saying, I want this guy who's so emotionally in tune, but yet I'm not. Yeah, my view at at Couples is a systemic one where everything he does and feels and uh, experiences affects her. And if he's shut down, she had a part in that as well. Maybe too critical, maybe too needy, maybe too much in his space. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, working with the couples as even asking, like often I use the word feedback, okay? That means they did something that you don't, you, you would like to ask them to, I don't say ask, request that they change. They don't have to but I'm requesting that this is important to me. And I'll say a little more on that in a second, but I have found that men get a little sensitive around that, you know, and they tend to, okay, fine. Then I'm not going to paint the house anymore because you criticize. I'm not going to cook anymore because you did. So men tend to overshoot. So then I will say, okay, just like in a job, we have to hear feedback from our boss. We get an evaluation or something. How can your wife let you know when something isn't cool with her? And if you're always on the defense and I don't want to hear it and I can't get ever get it right. And there I go back to the childhood patterning again, but that he needs to also be able to stay while they have this come, you know, uncomfortable or difficult conversation of hearing from the other one, maybe things that, we don't like to hear what we might know we need to hear. And I'm going over this very quickly because I do believe, and in my Christian background speaking, the truth in love, mm-hmm. but the truth. And when you are asking your spouse to, well, I'm going to use the broad word, make a change, that there is a point to me in differentiating between a want and a deal breaker. Okay. So let's say your spouse smokes and you're like, I would love for you, it would make me so happy if you would stop smoking. But is it a deal breaker? No, I would not leave them over this, but we're going to have some strong boundaries over this. Uh-huh. Some people are almost afraid of deal breakers. And I've questioned that a lot because it basically means you have no boundaries. Does that uh-huh. make sense? Yeah. You know, and that's 
again, what happens in long term marriages or some marriages is where, where do I begin and you start? Is it okay for me to draw a boundary with my spouse? Absolutely. And that was something I think in my first marriage kept dwindling the boundaries. Yeah. yeah what happens if you don't use boundaries? What's the shadow of that? The shadow of that would be extremely codependent marriage yeah. where neither one of you are living authentically. And codependency is an addiction in my book. It's an Mm -hmm. addiction. And I treat it that way. And eventually, if you do not work on this codependency, just like any addiction, the relationship's going to spiral. Now, will they physically leave? Probably not. Will they sleep in separate bedrooms? Probably. (laughs) Separate vacations? Probably. But they're still married on paper. Yeah. Married, but not satisfied. Exactly. I think your podcast is about, right, having a flourishing, satisfying marriage. Yeah, satisfying, generous, healthy, growing together. Right. And then, like you said, I mean, how does this go on to the next generation and them choosing their partners and and them stepping into their potential and full self? So it's endless. I think where I struggle right now, and I'd ask you as a male, Uh is... You know, how do you wake up a man? <laughs> and I have found often for couples who I'll say he's either very angry or there's an addiction that few men seem to wake up until you, I'm not saying you have to pull the divorce word, but until you say, I cannot live with you one more day like this. So that might call for some space while they do the work. Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes you need to create a crisis to there wake you go. up a man. <laughs> crisis, good word. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think many times it happens for women when the children grow a little bit. Maybe when the little one is around five, and they wake up to themselves and realize, "Hey, I'm not just a mother. I'm a human being. I'm an individual. I have needs. I want more from this life and from this marriage." Uh-huh. Many times the crisis comes out around that. The bond is big enough and the man is willing enough. From my experience, most men can learn, but they would need to want. Perfect, perfect. You know, we, we were just weren't taught, most of us, the guys, we weren't taught how to be emotionally available and how to communicate in these ways. But it's not because we're not intelligent enough, you know, and uh, it's a cultural yeah. thing and the culture is changing these days. Mm-hmm. And I think women are a bit more advanced. Like uh, women liberation started in the 60s. Men's liberation started, I don't know, in the US in the 90s, in Israel just recently. So we're yes. doing it. We're working yeah, on it. We are slowly but surely. Yes. And that's why I say I think we're going to see a shift. But that's encouraging. They can be taught. But the key word is want. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And- from what I've seen, when both couples, when both partners want, I want to say uh, almost every marriage is terrible. Uh, yes, one hundred percent. You're absolutely right. If both want it bad enough, yes. Yeah. So, and you know, there was. I guess I wanted to go back a little bit to the wounding of. I try also to teach my couples to look at each other through the eyes of compassion. Again, not always easy. As long as I say this, I'm not saying this is easy when they're pushing your buttons. But 
So he's defensive because he feels you criticized him. Mm-hmm. And I try to remember him as that little boy who might have had the overcritical parent. Mm-hmm. And stop and say, you know, try to give him again that corrective experience. Clearly, uh, he needs more encouragement. Um, He's had enough criticism in his life and he needs to hear occasionally where he's doing well. And that's where the women need to, you know, maybe step up. And some women will say, well, what do you need to be stroked every day? Sometimes I'll say, no, but compliment him, you know. Point out when you appreciate what he's doing. So that's why the want has to be there. If there's, and I'll speak to this if it's okay. If there's been a lot of whether it was abuse, infidelity, addiction, something that really challenges the marriage, right? Mm -hmm. To the nth degree. And that they finally maybe come to a point where it's going to be, we're going to either divorce or we're, we have to work on this. I have to always work on the forgiveness piece first, mm-hmm. because if you do not forgive whatever transgression they did prior to that, I think it makes the want dull or yeah. even puts a wall up in that heart that yeah. they can want it all they want, yeah. but that unforgiveness is getting in the way. Yeah, if there's an open wound that's bleeding, even when it's in the psyche, the, the relationship will not be sustainable. I agree. You have to, yeah, to process that wounding and uh, find forgiveness if there is one. This is where I go back to speaking your truth, which is, and this is, I'm going to say, is probably the hardest question that I have to present to my couples is, I'm going to use it, infidelity because that's the big one so there was infidelity in the marriage the spouse says no but I don't want to leave I want to stay and work on it that okay now we have to look at the forgiveness piece and I think when you're posed with that question either divorce or forgive some people might be too quick to forgive and then realize years down the road they haven't and then they are it's leaking out sideways is what I call it, you know, and sarcasm or jabbing or pulling back. Yeah. So that's what I mean about digging deep. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I feel like I said it too quickly and that's not what I meant. I agree. And it's not uh, either divorce or forgive. It's a process. Yes. It's a process. And it takes time to forgive. And there is a lot of uh, sensitivity around that. Don't be too quick to forgive. If people are too quick to forgive, there's, they might be hiding something from themselves. Exactly. I think as I've gone through life, the hardest thing in the world is looking at yourself in the mirror and being 100% honest, you know, yeah. and with what your truth in your heart is. And I do have compassion for people because once you become aware of it, it's almost like you have to act on it. Otherwise, you have to shut it down. Does that yeah, make sense? Totally. And I have compassion because then the the courage and the support you need to keep moving forward is, you know, crucial. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm a, I'm kind of a daredevil. <laughs> Not so much in the physical, but definitely in the emotional. <laughs> go big or go home. But I. <laughs> I <laughs> 
<laughs> at that point. Should I, I think I, I talk about in the book and one of the chapters is called Soul to Soul. And I, in the past, would have said way past, you know, soulmates, that term, you know how it's thrown out, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But as I've grown, whatever you want to call it, soulmate, if you are blessed, fortunate enough to really find that intimate soul connection where there's a a meme I love. It says, we don't fall in love with the face. We fall in love with the soul. And I think I now in my second marriage, I've experienced that, you know, and it's maybe because I've grown. I don't know. Maybe it's what I always wanted and was blinded and finally it showed up and I recognized it. I don't know. But the difference of that is night and day, just night and day. Say more, Um, say more. So you found your soulmate? You're married to your soulmate? I would call him that. Absolutely. (laughs) And Uh, what's the difference? How does it show up? Well, definitely in that he is, I would call my best cheerleader. But he's also the one who is going to tell me when I'm flat wrong in a loving way. And we do. We, we're, we're both kind of tough cookies that way. Mm-hmm. We're going to be straight up and call each other out. And I will always say this. Trust me, I'm saying this because I love you. If you continue doing this, eh, I can't promise you the outcome or the ripple effect in your life. And when you have that kind of trust with somebody you know that they are just offering that feedback so you are becoming a better version of you, not because it'll make their life easier, which is, that's what, again, having to check in with yourself. Do I want them to change because it's my preference or would make my life easier? Or do I want them to change because I really care about them in the spiritual sense or emotional sense and want them to continue to evolve? So... Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Well, this was inspiring. So women and couples and people who don't want to settle for surviving and want to thrive, how can they find you? How can they find your book? On Amazon, The Uncherished Wife. And I have a website, anextraordinarylife.org. They can go on there. There's a link to the book there. My bio is there, a little blogging, not too much. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there. <laughs> I love to tell stories. I love to tell people my thoughts. <laughs> uh-huh. Beautiful. <laughs> Ask my daughters. <laughs> <laughs> you are really so much you, huh? An extraordinary life.org. Beautiful. It is. We do music together. We, we have fun together. We're, we can duke it out together. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the intimacy, all of it. It's very connected. And to our listeners, we will have uh, links on our website on generousmarriage.com to Christina's website and to her book so you can find everything you need. Oh, can I mention my email? Please. Oh, yeah. Or if anybody has a question or wants to schedule with me, my email is coachchristi, C-H-R-I-S-T-I. Two seven at gmail.com. All right. Thank you, Coach Christy. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> this was fun. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us. I really appreciate that. And thank you Absolutely. for your wisdom and for your 
nudge to grow and not settle and be the best version of us. You're welcome. My honor. All right. So thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week. Wow. Uh, I really feel for all of these women, those wives that uh, go on day after day uncherished. I think this is really wrong. I think this is really frustrating. And I really think that it's a need, not just for women to feel cherished, but also for many men to feel appreciated. And uh, this is something that can change, of course, for men and women. But uh, these are the common prototypes of, of, of feeling uncherished or un appreciated and and this is something that i take from this interview which is it's a real need it's not something that people just uh, want because they are spoiled and they want a lot of stuff no it's really they need to feel cherished they they need to feel appreciated and marriage can do that for them but that's not the only purpose of marriage what did you take out of this shahar yeah i love uh, the way uh, christina talks about the purpose of marriage and Uh, I just resonate with it so much that uh, the reason to be together in this uh, day and age is to be able to grow together. It's not easy. Sometimes it's not fun. I mean, sometimes marriage brings out the worst in us and sometimes it brings out the best in us. But it's like the strongest laboratory, the best way to, to grow, in my opinion. It, it creates this container that allows us to see ourselves in really accurate mirror for good and bad. And I think that uh, if, if the purpose of your marriage is something like, I want to get, you know, to grow a family and I want to be uh, secure financially, well, when these things happened already, then what is the purpose of your marriage? It doesn't have a purpose. So having a purpose that is, Uh, ongoing that is like forever true uh, that is something that is by itself very valuable so there's a lot to take from the interview with coach Christy and she actually helped us to create some sort of a bonus a PDF for you guys that is free uh, what uh, what can people learn from today's bonus Coach Christy prepared a bonus for us that really helps understand what needs are. So we talk so much about needs, but not everybody understands what we mean by that. So she just writes really uh, clearly, in a really clear, clear way about needs and uh, how to fulfill them. And I think reading this bonus will really help you become a better partner. So all you need to do is go to generousmarriage.com, find Season 2, Episode 16. And you will be able to download this free PDF. Uh, we welcome you to do that. Go to generousmatch.com and join uh, and download this PDF for free. Uh, and moving forward, we are going to have an interview next week with a couple, Marcus and Ashley Kusi. Such a great couple, such an inspiring couple. I'm really looking forward to it. to this interview they're young but they are bright and wise and clear and, and yeah i'm just looking forward to it i i, I really appreciate their uh, their work on helping themselves and through that helping others and the, the the amount of books that they produced is just uh inspiring and every single one of them is kind of a crisis they had in, in their marriage that they overcame mm-hmm. and that they are sharing very generously, I think. Uh, so 
with that said i hope to meet you guys next week we will be here on this side of the microphone i hope that you will listen to us again and one final request is if you are enjoying the generous marriage podcast please share it please tell someone about it we really appreciate uh, helping other people as well as you so thank you again and see you guys next week on the generous marriage podcast bye bye see you next week